Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today we're joined with Austin Hare, the managing partner of Leaders Real Estate. Welcome to the show, Austin. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, great. It's, uh, it's surprisingly cold here in Orlando. It's like 65 degrees in April, so we're like all shocked. <laughs> Yeah, same. I'm like freezing. I'm in the Midwest, but definitely freezing for what I was expecting. Um, well, hey, I'm really excited to talk to you because I know that uh, since the last time we've talked, um, your reputation has grown in some really exciting ways. And I want to get to that. But first, uh, just give us a little background. Tell us what you're doing at Leaders Real Estate and what you're doing in the real estate space in general. Yeah. So, you know, my, my story is that I started investing in real estate in 2011. Uh, it was when I bought my first residential house. I did what's called house hacking, where you live in a room and then you get roommates to, you know, pay you a set amount. And so I was, I was actually generating, you know, a good amount of money uh, in addition to the mortgage. So was able to kind of leverage that into some other deals. And um, as I was growing my, I, and then I, I ended up opening up some gyms. And as I was looking for places to go, uh, and open gyms, that's when I met my partner in commercial real estate because he came through and kind of like went really deep with the analytics. Like we went seven layers deep with the analytics and uh, we ordered this, we added a scorecard, added everything up together. And then like what I found was the places that I thought were good, I had gut feeling about, all of a sudden didn't look so good. The places that I didn't feel so good about all of a sudden looked a lot better, but it was really great <laughs> having clarity around that decision-making process. So he had been doing for healthcare for 14 years or so. And so um, he invited me to come work with him. And so back in 2019, we partner together and now we do development, a lot of development and brokerage for healthcare practices and especially a lot in the dental and the DSO space. Awesome. So like developing your gut feeling along the way, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's actually that's yeah. actually really interesting. So did you ever end up pulling the trigger on something that was a good gut feeling back then that you would now not look at as a good deal? Um in terms of the the gyms that I opened. I, I did two de novos and one acquisition. And so, um, yeah, looking back on it, the first, the first one that I did was actually, uh, the, the first location was really great. And then I, you know, I, I overthought it and I went to this, the second look, what happened was that the first location was really dense, but like really, really, really po high population density, but low income. Mm -hmm. And so I mistakenly thought that I wanted higher income and I didn't take uh, into consideration how valuable high population density is because if you have a really high population density, you're going to have a lot of high income people in there. And so the second mm -hmm. location I chose was much more focused on the income, high income demographics, but not the population density. And so what happened was that location was just much slower and never made it to um, the same status as, as the first one that I did. So, um, you know, it's the, really the learning lesson is that it's all important, right? Population density is important. Income demographics are important. Synergistic users are really important. The, the plaza that you're in or that you're close to, you know, are you a drive to location or are you a drive through location? Because if you're driving to there to park and get out and walk around, like those things are a lot more beneficial. So yeah, those were some of the, uh, the learning lessons along the way. How interesting, because there's definitely some crossover now that you're in dental, um, that that was excellent training ground for, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, and the other thing is viewing rents as a factor of marketing. It's like, um, you know, when you, it's always so tempting to want to get the cheapest rent possible. But when you think about like, how much is your, is your client worth to you per visit, right? Or, or your patient, um, you know, in dental, you look, could say 300 bucks, you know, a visit on average. So how much more can you afford to pay in rent if you're going to get 
couple more clients a day. I mean, probably a lot, right? And so, you know, happy to break that math down later if you want, but it's just a different lens through which to view things. Yeah, that's so interesting. So you were in, you were purchasing gyms and then what segued into gen- dental for you or healthcare? So it was um, 2018. I attended a forum where I heard them talk about, actually 2017, they, they talked about, they were predicting a kind of like a correction in the end of 2019, early 2020. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I need to get out before then. And so I started, you know, preparing them to sell. And I actually had plans to grow a lot more. But when I heard that, I heard that talk and then it was a friend, I was a franchisee and there was, I was getting in disagreements with the franchisor. Um, if you think mm-hmm. multi-level marketing is bad, you should go try to be a franchisee. <laughs> it's way worse <laughs> than multi-level marketing. And, um, and so the combination of those two things was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put, you know, any best anymore of my time and energy into this, into this venture. So I started uh, preparing them for sale and then sold in 2019. Uh, they, the economists got it exactly right, but for the, all the wrong reasons. So I, you know, I just got super lucky there. And uh, I really actually be glad that I disagreed so much with the franchise because That's what really motivated me to sell. And um, then because at the time, you know, he had helped me pick out a location and we we're looking at other locations. So we were, you know, we're going to Tony Robbins events together, me and my partner, and we were working out together and stuff like that. So when I sold, I was kind of like an open book. You know, I had um, plenty of freedom. And he's like, hey, come work with us and, and, you know, let's partner together. And I said, yeah, sure. So um, since then, it's been a real learning experience. Like I was, I had been investing in commercial real estate, you know, from the limited partner side. I told, I mentioned earlier, I was doing residential uh, investing. So I had a couple of rental properties, but uh, in commercial real estate, I was still relatively inexperienced. And so then that's when we kind of just went or I kind of went all in. And so now we focus on like trying to buy and develop buildings for DSOs, or even if there's like a group that um, is acquiring a practice and the real estate is involved and the doctor might want to sell that real estate and the DSOs usually don't want to buy it because it's Mm -hmm. tying up debt on their balance sheets. So we can come in and we can buy that. So that's kind of the story of how I segued, you know, from, residential to fitness to commercial real estate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the way that you put that together for me. So do you have a strong interest in staying in dental? Like, do you feel another segue coming or is this like really interesting and exciting so, to you? Yeah. Right. So what happened with residential was I, I um, started putting them up on Airbnbs or on Airbnb and mm-hmm. uh, it worked out phenomenally well compared to the long-term rentals, you know, more work, but more money and, and stuff like that. So in the background, I kind of been, having these Airbnb properties and then um, kind of spent, my, spent a lot more time focusing on the commercial real estate side of things for healthcare, but then recently have been splitting my time kind of between the two. So like, you know, it always ebbs and flows, right? Like there's always like in busy season, like you're super, super busy. And then you get a periods of like relaxation where there's not a whole lot going on, especially when you're doing like, when you're focused on deals. Right. And so it's like, there's just, there's not a lot of consistency. So when one thing is, is really busy, one thing's super slow. So they kind of go back and forth. Right now I've been saving my time pretty equally between um, Airbnb, like optimizing that business. We have a, a couple locations here in Orlando and then, uh, you know, focusing on the real estate side of things. And so I don't think, I see myself doing both these things for a long time. I don't see myself getting out of it. Um, you know, with healthcare, real estate, obviously that you could, you could do a full-time job in just one little subset of that. So there's all a million different ways to slice it. But I mean, I'm really bullish on dental. Um, we do stuff in urgent care. You know, we, we have clients in 
um, dermatology and veterinarian and stuff like that. And so just in general, like anything that sub 10,000 square foot range, you know, dental has less than a 1% failure rate, according to the SBA data. Like it's one of the safest businesses. Uh, it's proven mm -hmm. to be uh, recession proof. It's proven to be pandemic proof. And so I think it's a great business in general. And it's one that I'm just trying to be involved in and, and provide as much value as I can for the people in the industry. That's fantastic. I love your energy about it. And when you were talking about, you know, the ebbs and flows, I was talking to someone recently and I was like, you know, I feel like it's like getting punched in the gut while being exhilarated all of the time. And there's not really time to focus on either one. <laughs> you, you just kind of have to <laughs> learn to adapt to that general experience. But um, okay, so you okay. talked about splitting your time between the two businesses and um, or industries. And so I'm just curious, where then do you fit in time for the American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I have a problem taking things in moderation. <laughs> so um, we, you know, my wife and I are just have always been very active, like fitness is just such an important part of our lives. And so, you know, we really value our, our health and we always dedicate time to go to the gym. And so the way I look at it is like, if I'm going to spend an hour going to the gym, you know, five or six days a week. Now, instead of um, spending one hour and and not really enjoying it, you know, doing it because I have to, I could spend two hours, those like an additional three days a week and really love what I do. So like, you know, regular gym session is an hour and ninja session is three, is uh, two hours. So I'm just doing three sessions, two days a week, right? So it's three extra hours per week. Now, of course, when you travel, then that's a huge time commitment. Um, that, that part is really, is really difficult. And you, you know, sometimes um, other things do suffer, like the work suffers sometimes, or, or I'm up late at night, or I don't get to sleep as much as I want. Um, but the, uh, the, the way that I look at that too, is like, we like to travel. My wife and I like to travel. And so mm -hmm. it's cool being a tourist and we love that, but it's also cool, like going to traveling somewhere around the country for an event or for a competition. And so we kind of combine our travel and our uh, ninja and our vacationing into one as much as we can. And, um, so far it's been working out. <laughs> so the durations of the workout are different. What does a ninja workout look like? There's a gym here in Orlando called Obstacle Ninja Academy that I go to. Um, it's got some really, really good ninjas there that are great at training. So essentially what we do is we'll go in there and we'll have some sort of warm up, and then they'll put together a course and the course will be different. That's what's so cool about the gym we train at is they're always changing the obstacles because when you're on the show, you don't ever get to practice those obstacles. You got to look at them and figure them out and try and yeah. try and do it first try. I mean, the warped wall is always the same, but like the salmon ladder, but for the most part, they're all different. So they're really good about mixing up the obstacles. So what we'll do is a warm up with everybody together and then kind of one at a time you go through and everybody tries the course and you might go like right, right back to back. So you're kind mm -hmm. of like pressure to go fast or you might wait or whatever, but you're kind of running the course like multiple times, um, trying these new obstacles. It's a really, I mean, I, you know, funny enough, you don't really need big quads. You don't really need big chest muscles. It's really about like your forearms and your, and your pull strength. And so okay. the muscle works against you. So you really want to be as light as you can. And then we'll kind of finish up by working on some sort of challenge or, or skill or something like that with the energy that we have left. All right. If you're watching this all the way through, uh, Austin had to go do one of his American Ninja Warrior workouts. He's very diligent with his schedule. So we have a little bit of a mic switch up here. Um, but actually, I want to talk a little bit about that because I know that athletics has been a part of your life um, for a long time, right? Not just this, this piece, but... I think there could be the perspective that when you reach a certain level or you have a certain, um, you get to a certain age or whatever, that it might be easier to fit these things in. But I know that's actually not the case, at least not for me. So how would you, how would you approach or how do you approach 
you know, fitting in time for what you want to do, the things you feel like you need to do, and then anything extra that you want to explore. Yeah, generally speaking, I, I feel like you're never going to be less busy than you are right now. Like it seems like <laughs> as you get older, like you only get more busy. So it just becomes a prioritization thing and a, and a scheduling thing. And so, yeah, when you were on my podcast, I know we talked about scheduling and putting things in the calendar and that's super important. And so I have not, I still, even though we talked about it, I'm still not that great at it. But one of the things that I do put on there is, is the, uh, the workouts, the ninja workouts. So it's like Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1.30 p.m. That's just when they happen to meet. Um, you know, I have it on the calendar and then I, but I block it off. So that way nobody's scheduling calls or doing anything like that during those times. And I don't have an excuse, right? So it's like Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturdays I go out there. Now, like on the days that I've hit in the gym, that's not necessarily an enjoy your workout. Those, you know, I kind of, I kind of just squeeze in, but it takes a lot less time. You know, you can get a great workout in 30, 45 minutes. So it is a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like putting it physically putting it on the schedule things that you want to get done like even if it's not meeting with another person like even if it's just you it's so it's easy to think that like oh hey yeah I'll, you know to-do list right that's a great example it's like oh yeah just put everything write everything down and it feels good kind of getting it out of your head and on the paper but if you don't have a priority around it or you don't have a deadline around it it's probably not going to get done it's like the there's some law i don't know i don't know it's like a rule of thumb that like you will take the amount of time you give yourself to complete a certain task. So it's like, that's why when teachers give you an assignment for two weeks from now, it takes two weeks to get it done because you just wait to the last couple of days. So um, that's why I like putting everything like in the calendar to have a deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know this is uh, a lot of people say to do this. I do it with my clients now, but I, I originally was um, introduced to the idea by a coach of mine who said, hey, I want you to write down the top five priorities in your life. What are those five things? Now I want you to, you know, write... Uh, basically a catalog of everything that you spent your week on and see, do those things match? And they didn't, they didn't match for me. And so um, it was really eye opening to see that the things that I care about the most, I thought, well, as soon as I do this thing or that thing, you know, you get your eyes so stuck on the millimeter that you actually are missing the big picture sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. It's like, um, there, it's so easy to be reactive. And so scheduling time like that to be proactive where you're looking at like, okay, this is what I say is important, but this is what I've been doing. And mm -hmm. so it's like that intentionality factor. Um, did you, I'm curious, did you also put that on your calendar? Like you set a calendar invite to look at your calendar? <laughs> That's actually funny. So I set a calendar invite to make my calendar. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily an invite, but it's like it's like I block it off on my calendar. Yeah, it probably <laughs> yeah. looks a little bit obsessive, but um, but I actually hey, find that I'm so much more yeah, so much lighter having it that way. So one of the things that I think is interesting too is the way that we um, approach something tends to be the way that we approach a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of crossover in our behaviors towards business and our hobbies and our family and all the things. And so I was working with some clients recently on um, taking a group through a weight loss journey. And so I had them working on a specific metric or doing a specific regimen, and I decided to participate in it as well. And my, my question to you is, do you, when you're doing these workouts, do you find that your eating has an impact on how well you're able to advance and progress in your workouts? Oh, so much. Oh, it's so like, much. it is so, so, so important. I mean, especially when you're doing something like ninja where you're hanging on your by your fingertips like every pound matters and so um yeah i mean if you're not paying attention to what you eat it's really easy you don't really you can you might you may or may not notice like five pounds in the mirror and you probably started to notice 10 pounds but like you know 10 to 12 pounds like really makes a big difference in, in how much weight you can hold up and and that doesn't happen you know 
um, accidentally. <laughs> like, you know, I'm very conscious yeah. <laughs> of what I eat and I try and track everything and like my fitness pal. And it's not, maybe it sounds excessive to some people. Maybe some people don't want to do it. You know, I'm not saying it's for everybody at all, but for me, if I want to look good and feel good and, and be ready to go compete at the sport and keep my body fat percentage really low, you know, I know that I need to hit like around 2000 calories a day and 170 grams of protein. So I'm eating, I'm actually eating like a lot of protein, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, and then also trying to get veggies cause that's more for like the long-term health. The protein is more for like, you know, short-term fitness vegetables are for long-term health is how I look at it. Yeah. So when you exercise that amount of discipline in one area of your life, like your eating and like your workouts, how do you see that translate when you're going to do something business wise? Yeah, it's like, or the the order of operations matters. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what like sort of psyche. It's like part of the human psyche is activated, but it's like if you if you start your day by watching the TV first thing, it's like very demotivating, right? Like I've I've, I've done that. I've been there when I when I sold the companies and I had free time and stuff like that. It's like ah. Uh, I'll watch TV for like a show that I like on Netflix for like 45 minutes and then I'll be productive, but it just like, mm -hmm. it kills your motivation. So by the flip side of that, you know, you do the first things first. It's like when you're, when you're waking up and going to the gym, it puts you in a good mood and you want to go conquer the day, right? Like if you're, if you're active and you're working out and you're getting your, your heart rate up, like you feel productive and you feel good. And so I think it's motivating. I think it's like, there's a saying, um, a lot of millionaires have six packs or something like that. It's obviously not always true, but it's like very similar principles that discipline, right? Having the discipline to have a structure, have a schedule, get work done, like put your entertainment, you know, kind of instant gratification things last. And then they kind of work together because now you're motivated to go make your, your phone calls after a good workout, or you're motivated to eat really healthy because you don't want your workout to go to waste. And so, I mean, it's a sacrifice at the end of the day, you know, maybe I would be further along financially if I, if I didn't do this kind of stuff. Um, like if I didn't focus so much on my, on my fitness, but, um, I don't, you know, is that a trade-off that I want to make, right? Like I, I'd like, I'd rather live a lot longer, a lot healthier life with a lower net worth than just try and maximize my net worth and be unhealthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not have as long to like enjoy it. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. And you can quantify that. You can be like, okay, so reframing would be I'm paying X amount of dollars each month, or I'm paying myself this amount of money to experience this quality of life. So I, I, I definitely think that there's a, there's a good trade off there. You know, you hit on something really important. You said, you know, after you go to the gym, then you feel like you can go tackle all the other things. And I think there's a really good science behind that. And because when you put something into your calendar, and you're like, hey, I'm going to do my workout. And then you go do the workout. You're elevated from that. And you get an energy from that. And so mm -hmm. automatically, of course, you're going to be more motivated to do the next thing because you're already winning a, in your own terms. It's not against, you know, your wife's terms or your mom's terms or your brother's terms. It's it's you set something, you did it, and now you know you can do things. And so you're energized by that. Yeah, it's interesting. So I have a question for you then. Do you think that you feel that same energy regardless of whether or not your task was physical? Like, do you think having a physical task where you're literally getting your blood flowing motivates you more? Or do you think that it'd be equal even if it was just something that was on your to-do list for a long time that involved sitting on a computer? Oh gosh. So I think that it's going to be, it's going to be different. You know, I don't take the same energy to go make dinner that I take to go ride a course or that I go take to go on a run. So the energy behind it might be different. The adrenaline might be different, but I do think that the gratification, you know, the brain likes to accumulate. So the more things on my list that I can knock off, that's why people like to check things off their to-do list, especially if there's like, um, you know, an app for it and it makes a little dinging noise or something. It's, it's very stimulating and it tells your brain, Hey, we're doing it. We got it and keep going. 
there's definitely data to to back this up. And so um, that is one reason that I feel like it's so important to put things into your calendar so that you can have an automated way to increase that energy as your day goes on and you're knocking things out. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that's true too. Yeah, awesome. So I love all of this that you're saying. Tell me, what is your long-term goal? What do you see for your future? Um, well, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm bullish on, on healthcare. I think ultimately, um, you know, we'd like to have a, a lot of commercial real estate buildings, like dental buildings, healthcare buildings that we own in a, in a large fund that um, will continue to serve us and our investors for a long time. And so, you know, I think that having like, like we intentionally, you know, a couple of years ago when we looked at everything that you could possibly do and spend your energy on, we, we picked healthcare because it just seemed, you know, very uh, recession proof and, and recession safe. And so I think long-term, like as we can hopefully continue to buy buildings for dental users and DSOs and continue to grow our, our portfolio and bring as long as many people for the ride as we can. So, you know, I think that's something that'll be around for a very, very long time. So nationwide is, yeah, is yeah, all... we, we've done, yeah, we've done deals in 46 states. And so, um, you know, we, like I mentioned earlier, I live in Orlando, Fantastic. but we do, yeah, we do stuff all over. We're always traveling, you know, that's no big deal. Um, a lot of times, sometimes you can have what's called location bias. It's like you feel like because you're in a certain area, you know it really well. But really, like a city like Orlando has multiple different trade areas. I mean, unless you're physically going there frequently, you don't know it. And so it's the same thing like Houston, Texas, you know, that's got 19 trade areas. Like you could fly in and you're not going to be learning the whole entire market, right? Like you're usually picking one or two trade areas at a time because that's kind of where you're demographics are driving in from like they're not driving they're gonna be driving for an hour and a half from the south side of the city you know what i mean maybe 10 15 minutes yeah. most. And you can typically learn those areas like very quickly and then by, by the flip side if you're local and you think you know the area and you don't drive up to a certain area for that client like at that particular point in time i mean things change so fast like every month every every couple of months are different and so yeah i think that um being able like being national so what if like you're thinking about using somebody my advice is to uh, if you're looking for a broker you know just get somebody who's done like a lot of deals uh in your in your field because if they're local they might know your market but they don't necessarily know your industry that well so it's just like one of those things you got to think through and, and vet the people like really really well before you take them on as somebody that's going to help you uh find locations or, or negotiate your lease or that sort of thing yeah and i and i I love the experience that comes with, you know, having done this a couple of times now <laughs> because, you know, it can be really um, attractive to find a really quick solution and somebody says the right thing and you run with it. But um, but in the long term, I think that I, I've gotten to where you're at where it's I'd rather take the time to ask a lot of questions and understand something really, really well before I decide on a person, a location, a thing, a deal, whatever. Um because it's a long-term decision. It's not, it's, it takes away the initial feeling of wanting to get it done, but there are long-term impacts of whatever decision you make. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, to build out a dental office is close to 200 bucks a square foot right now. And so mm -hmm. like you mentioned, brushing that decision of who you're going to help pick your location. Um, if you, I think a lot of times people just want to be nice. So that's why we pick our cousin or brother-in-law or golfing buddy or whatever it is yeah. because we know them. But I mean, if you make this wrong decision, like it's one of the first decisions you make, uh, you know, it's terribly, terribly expensive. It could cost you a lot of money or it could cost you like the entire business. So yeah, it's just important to 
bring somebody in who knows your industry because there's there's a lot of different negotiation points. I mean, the, the plumbing and the electric needs and the way the operatories are set up is like very specific for dental. And so if you don't get somebody who, who knows and understands that, then you could just be shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know it's really important to you to to do really good things for people and you can never know enough good people. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and they had something that they wanted to, you know, run by you, ask some questions, what would what would be the way to do that? Sure. Yeah, I'll just give you guys my email address. My name is Austin Hare. So it's a hair, like on your head at leadersre.com. So leadersrealestate.com. But yeah, you know, feel free to reach out and ask any questions. We're, we're happy to help, um, you know, or hop on the phone. Just even if you just have some basic questions, you want some advice, um, you know, yeah, uh, reach out. And then, of course, if you need help picking a location too, then we're happy to do that as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Austin. I appreciate you coming on today. It's nice talking to you. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.